You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. As usual, a reminder, we are not real therapists, but we are real movie therapists. Or at least that's what we call ourselves, because, you know, what else are we going to call ourselves? (laughs) Movie doctor. (laughs) All right, Kristen, should we get to this week's letters? Yes, let's do it. Our first letter is from somebody who is just going to go by the letter Z. I love it. Z writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm quickly approaching my 50th birthday. And while I know that age is only a number, hitting the half century mark is making me feel a bit old and regretful. My life is not a terrible one. I have a loving partner, good friends, and a stable job. But I also think about what might have been if I'd made different decisions at those pivotal moments in my life that, at the time, I didn't realize were pivotal. I know I can't turn back time and be 25, 35, or even 45 again, and I'm tired of wishing I could. What can I watch to help me stop ruminating on regrets and appreciate what I have now? Z, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Z. I'm glad to have you. Uh, yes, I've passed my 50th birthday. I know of what you speak. The regrets, yes, they do tend to pile up, don't they? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I remember once when I was young, might have been in my 20s, and I was having that kind of quarter-life crisis that you have when you're 25, and you think, oh, God, I'm old. It's all over. <laughs> and I was talking to my mom, and my mom was talking about her and uh, and my dad. They're, they're, they're divorced. They were divorced. They've always been divorced in my life. But they were saying, you know, I was just talking to your dad and this, that, and the other. And we were talking about how, you know, when you get to be our age, you know, your options kind of narrow and that, you know, you have to be kind of realistic about what you can and cannot do, you know, and you just don't have the kind of options that you used to. And it just sent a goddamn chill down my spine. I just could not believe (laughs) 
she had said that to me. And I just thought, it just made me want to run screaming from life. Um, In your 20s. Well, here. Yeah. How is this going to help Z, who's about to become 50, Rafer? Well, I'm, here's, how I'm, here's how I'm trying to help you, Z. I'm trying to say that here we are, you and I. We've made it. We're here. We are, we are 50 uh, or in our 50s. And um, no, you can't turn back time, but you've, you've done the things that you've done and you, you gotta, you gotta move forward. What, what is going to be the point of looking back on the regrets? They, they won't help. They will only get you stuck in the mud and you gotta move forward. You made it. You made it this far. You can keep going. I'm here to tell you, Kristen, you are younger than I am. But I agree. I agree. Getting stuck in the past is also being unkind to yourself because True. the kind thing to do is to say, I did the best I could at the time with the information I had. You know what you didn't have back then? You did not have a magic crystal ball to tell you what was going to happen in the future. You only had the information you had at the time. You had the psychological skills, the emotional skills, the brain development, the experience, what have you. And you did the best you could at the time. We all do the best we can at the time with what we have at our disposal. And of course, you didn't know that certain moments in your life were pivotal back then. But you know what? There were probably other pivotal moments that you made a decision that you're proud of now. You just don't realize that those were pivotal moments too. What you look back at, that one thing, like, oh, maybe I should have dated that person right. or maybe I should have uh, taken that one job. Maybe I should have moved across the country when I could have. Maybe I should have backpacked around Europe when I was young. I mean, there are a million what-ifs that we all could have done at pivotal moments in our life. Uh, maybe I should have invested in New York real estate in 1999. I'm sure a lot of people say you that. totally you should know? have. That's a huge regret. <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> Yeah. But we all did the best we could at the time with what we had. You know, as far as that real estate thing goes, I frequently think about that. I'm like, man, I would have done this back then. I would have done this with my money. But you know what? I had $2. What was I going to do? <laughs> like buy a building with $2? Right. I did the best I could at the time with what I had, which was $2. And what you had at the time back then, Z, I'm guessing was also the equivalent of $2, whether that was your emotional or psychological toolkit, um, what, whatever it was, you only had what you did back then. And you did the best you could. Please be kind to yourself. Anytime uh, we get too caught up in regrets, I think what we're doing is really being unkind to our younger selves who, you know, we could only do what we could do. Be kind to yourself. The only thing I would say is worth, you know, regretting are the ways that we've hurt people. And so if there's anything you can do to make amends or to apologize for anybody you hurt in the past, I'm, I'm always for that. But those other things in life, you can't regret that. You did the best you could. And you know the other thing you can do, Z? You're still alive. You can do lots more going forward. Yes. What you did back then, that was back then. You still are alive now. Think about all the great things you can do in this moment and tomorrow and the day after and the day after. I totally agree. I think that's excellent advice, uh, Kristen. Um, what have you prescribed for Z? Well, Rafer, I'm sorry to be blowing this only. I mean, we've only had our show for six months now, and I am prescribing my 
all-time favorite movie. Uh-oh. I, I, I feel like... Uh-oh, I know what it is. Yes, yes. It's just, like, I feel like, oh, no, I'm blowing <laughs> my load too early. I should not be prescribing this movie for, like, another six years into our show. It's too early to prescribe this. But I really feel like it's a movie that is a good... Uh, salve for so many situations, including this one. It's a movie from 1946 called It's a Wonderful Life. Of course. Of course, Kristen. Now, I know that a lot of people already know this movie, but it turns out quite a few people don't. When I talk with people, they're like, oh, I remember flipping past the channels when I was a kid. But, you know, it turns out a lot of people haven't actually seen the movie all the way through. So let me just give a quick summary. Jimmy Stewart, my favorite dead man crush. Jimmy Stewart plays George Bailey, a man in a small town who's always dreamed of seeing the world, getting a higher education, living an unconventional life. But rather than follow his dreams, he puts others' needs and desires first, year after year, decision after decision. And before you know it, he's nearly 40 years old, stuck working for the building and loan his father started that he never wanted to work for. He's cleaning up after his inept uncle, who's a terrible business partner. He's married to a woman he loves, but whose love he feels trapped him in this town he never wanted to stay in. And he even wonders out loud, why do we have so many kids? It's too late. The kids are already in the world. He already had them. But he says these things out loud in the movie. He is really upset with all the things that went wrong, all the decisions he made. And he is 100% a man with regrets. He wishes he would have made other choices. He wonders what would have happened if he'd never been born. But it's that wondering that results in an angel being sent down from heaven. Yes, I know it sounds corny. And George being able to see his life from a new perspective. Here's a clip. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Dance by the light of the moon. What'd you wish when you threw that rock? Oh, no. Come on, tell me. If I told you, it might not come true. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You, You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Okay, Z. So here's the reason why I'm recommending this. George is like a lot of us. He feels like a victim of bad circumstances and bad decisions. But in the movie, like in that clip there, we see that his decisions were the best ones he could have made at the time based on who he was and what he knew. He married his wife because he loved her. Yes, he knew that... Being with her would keep him in the town, but he made that decision because it was the best thing for him at the time. Sure, he has way too many kids, but looking back, we see how thrilled he was when the first one was on its way. So it's not surprising that he and his wife ended up having more kids than they want now. But I don't just want to talk about George's past or any of our pasts here. I want to talk about the present because the movie is not called It Was a Wonderful Life. The movie is called (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life, Present Tense. And that's because George's life is not over. 
and our lives are not over. And Z, your life is not over. We're living in the here and the now. We can make our life anything we want it to be. So I urge you, Z, if you can, watch this movie and think about how maybe in the past you did the best you could, even if you think that you didn't, you did, and think about all you can do going forward. That's my prescription. Well, Kristen, it's a it's a terrific film. Obviously, it's sort of the uh, what is it? It's like it's like the cortisone of movies. It's just you. It's a good for everything. You just describe it right. It'll 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 clear up anything. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, I gotta confess, I want to prescribe it almost every week, but I don't. <laughs> the fact that I'm doing it now is just. I know. I know. It's that and Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but listen, I think I think that's I think that's appropriate to uh, to the problem here. And look, at least you chose um, you know a revered classic by uh, Frank Capra. Uh, I don't know what you're going to make of of, uh, of of my my pick, Kristen. Oh, I'm dying to hear. What is it? What okay, is it? <laughs> okay. For Z, I- I've picked a movie from 2009 that I think has been completely forgotten. Uh, it's called 17 again. Kristen, do oh, you know this movie? Yeah, from the makers of High School Musical or the star of High School <laughs> the Musical star of or High something. High School Musical, yes. It's, <laughs> yes, it's got, it's got the unusual, uh, never-dreamed-of pairing of Zac Efron and Matthew Perry playing essentially the same character. Uh, so... <laughs> So if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. Oh, doesn't Matthew Perry sell everyone? No. Oh, boy. Okay, now listen. Uh, so this is this is, this is is one of these, you know, it's one of these magic movies, one of these magical thinking movies. Uh, there's a screenwriter that I love, a guy named Blake Snyder, who called this the genie out of the bottle movie, uh, that kind of genre. Freaky Friday, big, back to the future. It's a long list. Um, <laughs> so this is about a guy named Mike. It's played by Matthew Perry. He's 37. Uh, he used to be the star athlete in high school. He was kind of the hottie. He had his whole life ahead of him. And then his girlfriend got pregnant. Hold on. He knocked her up? Y- yes, he <laughs> He did. Because <laughs> she didn't just magically get pregnant. He... All right, listen, well, you're a real literalist, literalist Kristen. Um, all right. Well, it's, it's, good that you, it's good that you clarified. All right. So uh, now, 20 years later, he's not a star athlete. He's not a star anything. He's just another guy with two kids and a boring job that he doesn't really like that much. And one day, he's driving across a bridge. He sees this kind of mysterious figure of some kind that lures him into the water below. And when he wakes up, He's 17 again. He's got his youth back. He's got his abs back. He's got his hair. And of course, he has to go back to high school alongside his own two actual kids, Alex and Maggie. Here's a clip. Hey, Twinkle Douche. If I wanted you in the cafeteria, I would have taped you to a lunch lady. You little punk. You don't talk to him that way. (laughs) Yeah? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? First, I'm going to call your father. (laughs) You know, Stan, I feel sorry for you. You don't know me. Oh, but I do. All too well. You're the man. Captain of the basketball team. Beats the pretty girls. High school is your kingdom. But people, stands a bully. Rafer, I will confess, I love this setup in a movie. I even saw L- Little. Is that the name of the movie? Yes. <laughs> <Or right. laughs> 
Yes. The, like, which yes. nobody saw besides me. Um, no, I saw it. You saw Little also? <laughs> it, was the, it was the flipped version of Big. Yes. 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 Of course. Yes. So, I mean, I, I love this genre movie, but I'll confess, I never saw Seventeen again. Why? Because... Matthew Perry is supposed to be the draw for me? What? <laughs> Matthew Perry has never been the draw for me on anything. He's like the least interesting thing about the show Friends. I just, why would they make him a headliner? That's interesting. No, I always thought Matthew Perry was a, a integral part of Friends. I thought he was a crucial character on Friends. The show never would have worked without him. That's interesting that you say that. Well, okay. Uh, he was the worst. I mean, that's interesting. Okay. Well, could you be any more ne- negative, Kristen? All right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I do, I, I, as you know, I do like Zac Efron in the Neighbors movies. So I'll <laughs> that's give you right. that. Okay. Well, here, I would say this. Here's the bad news about Seventeen again. Like like we were saying, this is probably the eight or nine hundredth film you've seen with this premise. And it really doesn't do almost anything original with it. The scene on the bridge, the transformation scene where Mike falls into a whirl, uh, like a, some kind of whirlpool in the water. Uh, as my good friend Tom B would say, that is weak sauce. It's a terrible scene. Uh, it's got the, the the shadowy figure is Brian Doyle Murray, who plays like a mystical janitor of some time. It's like they couldn't get Morgan Freeman, so they got Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, but but here's what you do have. I I personally think that Matthew Perry is pretty good in this movie, and I like Zac Efron a lot. Actually, I think they're both really good. I always thought that Matthew Perry really could have been. Maybe not an A-list movie star, but I always thought he could have been a pretty successful film actor if he had kept at it. And I just thought this movie basically was pretty funny and kind of charming, even though it wasn't the most original thing I'd ever seen. Pretty good uh, supporting cast. Thomas Lennon, Jim Gaffigan, uh, Leslie Mann, little tiny bit of Margaret Cho in there. So it's not the greatest movie. But one thing I would say is, Z, you probably haven't seen this movie because so few people have. And the one thing I noticed about it that I remember thinking was clever, if intentional, or it might have just been kind of accidental. The thing about this story is when Mike gets to high school, he spends the entire time protecting his kids. He spends the entire time looking out for them, trying to get his daughter not to sleep with the, the crappy boyfriend, trying to get his son to stand up to the bully. And he's kind of doing the exact same thing that he was doing as an adult. And there's a little bit of a, the message there seemed to me to be this. You always would have done it that way. You always would have done it that way. You can't do it over. And there's a reason you did it that way. Maybe not some mystical reason. Maybe it's not fate or karma or something like that. But there's a reason you did it that way. Just like Kristen was saying, it was the only thing you could do. Now it's done. Now it's a part of you. And in this movie, Mike kind of has to learn to embrace that. He's he's a dad who cares for his kids. That's who he is. That's who he's going to be. You, you you embrace it. You try to you try to love it if you can. You learn from it. You know, you've probably already learned these lessons and you move forward and you you can't always be 17 again. And even if you were, you'd probably just do the same thing over again. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that's my prescription for you, Z. Oh, you almost convinced me to watch this, Rafer. You make it's it sound like it's bad. a much deeper movie than I realize. <laughs> it's really not that bad. It's kind It's kind of cute. And I think that's sort of good enough when you're in a place like this, like Z is. All right. Well, once again, Z, those recommendations are from Rafer, 17 again. And for me, it's a wonderful life. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do... 
A huge thanks to everyone who's been giving us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. For instance, Anoush Talks to Stuff recently gave us five stars and wrote, I love hearing your movie suggestions and feel doubly excited when they're also favorites of mine. It's lovely to be part of such an amazing audience, and I enjoy the safe space that you create. Oh, that is so great. Anoush talks to stuff. By the way, we love your name. Um, That's a great name. Yeah. Thank you for talking to us. And if you want to talk, by the way, with other listeners of the show, definitely join our Facebook community because that is also a safe space with other audience members. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen, the nicest group of movie fans you'll ever find. Definitely a safe space. Okay, everybody, stay with us. When we're back, we have someone whose husband has lost his job, and he's in need of a pick-me-up. Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe... Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, I'll let you read this one. Okay, this one comes from Cynthia. Cynthia says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, My husband recently lost his job due to COVID, and he's in a big slump. We've tried watching cooking shows, reality shows, and comedies, but nothing seems to be doing the trick. I think what we need is something uplifting about overcoming huge obstacles that ends in some form of success or happiness that's not tragedy porn, if that makes sense. Can you help? Ugh, tragedy porn. Yep. (laughs) Don't worry, Cynthia. We are not going to prescribe the Shawshank Redemption here. Just... Just want to let you know. No crash. No, no, no none crash of that. here. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, Cynthia, um, we're so sorry that your husband lost his job. It sucks. One in five Americans have lost their jobs, right? I have so many friends who've lost their jobs. It is such a tough time right now. And I survived the big uh, recession in 2008, 2009. And during that time, I and in New York, 20% of New Yorkers lost their jobs as well. So I've survived it. It's really tough, but you can make it through to the other side and uh, you can get support from other people who are going through it. You don't have to suffer alone in this. But yeah, it is tough. Rafer, I know you know people who've lost jobs too. It's, it's just oh, a, sure. it's a really tough time right now. Sure. No, it's, it's very tough. One thing I would say to Cynthia, I wonder if... I am going to try to prescribe something that fits the bill. I want to give you the thing that you're asking for. But I do wonder if you might need to kind of let your husband go through the different phases, the sort of Kubler-Ross phases of this whole thing, the, you know, the, the anger, denial, whatever, whatever, 
you know, and a big part of that might be some fairly unappealing self-pity. There might be a phase in there that is not that attractive, uh, where there's a lot of self-pity and a lot of um, apathy and who knows. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be supportive. And I'm also not saying that you should just let him, you know, go to pot on the couch and wear that stained t-shirt for the eighth day in a row. That's not what I'm saying either. Um, but I do, I would, I, I would kind of encourage you to, uh, you know, it might help to let him wallow a bit and let him move through it on his own pace and not try to kind of make him deal with it the way that you want him to deal with it or the way that you think he should deal with it. It's a, it's a fine balance. It's a fine balance, and I'm not I'm not recommending indulgence on your part, but um, just I wanted to kind of throw that out there uh, for uh, for your husband. It might that might be of some help, but I think also what you're saying these movies might be of some help too, if, even if only in terms of just a little you know light entertainment that you guys can watch together that'll give you a laugh and give you a little something to do together too. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Rafer, because. In my prescription, I tried very hard to make sure it included somebody who wasn't just always happy all the time with their circumstances, who does get upset, who screams, who has meltdowns, who things don't always end up on the trajectory of like, oh, just one foot in front of the other. Like in my case, it's not just one foot in front of the other. There is triumph, but there's a lot of steps back along with the steps forward. Uh, so um, I may as well just tell you what it is, right? Okay. I'm very, I'm very curious. It is a 1987 film called Baby Boom starring Diane Keaton. <laughs> With Diane Keaton, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in this movie, Diane Keaton plays a high-powered advertising executive named CJ. She lives in New York City with her boyfriend, who he's an equally high-powered investment banker. And the two love their jobs and their lives, their dinks all the way, dual income no kids with lots of money. But that all changes when JC inherits a baby from a deceased distant cousin that she has not seen in 30 years. She doesn't know exactly how to do all this stuff. She tries to get lots of help. But unfortunately, one of the people who doesn't want to help is her boyfriend. He dumps her because he doesn't want to play daddy. And it turns out her bosses don't like that her time and her energy are being stretched as well. So her bosses essentially force her to quit her job. In a moment of crisis, she just on a whim decides, I'm going to move to the country. And the house she moves to in the country is a money pit. Here's a clip. Lady, you're, you're out of water. You're, you're going to have to tap into the county line. Uh, and that's three miles down the road. Well, look, I'm almost out of money, Mr. Boone. I don't understand these technicalities. Just tell me one thing, okay? Is this going to be expensive? Yep. Well, do you know, like, approximately how much this is going to cost me? Uh, no. no. Right. Yeah. Well, just guess. Uh, uh, five, five six thousand dollars, maybe more. Oh, well, that's just fine. That's it. I'm in. I can't make it here, okay? I mean, I am not. I am not Tom Bunyan, all right? I went to Harvard. I graduated at the top of my class for what? To spend my life fixing up this dilapidated shack? Well, you can just forget it because I'm going to get out of here. You see? I need to work. I need people. I need a social life. I need sex. Please, please I'm a married man. <laughs> I remember this being sort of two movies in one. It is. Yes. You got a baby. 
you got a house. It's, you know, it's look who's talking. It's, you know, it's the, it's under the Tuscan sun. Yes. It's, I remember, I remember it being kind of an oddball film that way. It is a very oddball film that way. It is two movies. Uh, the first half of the movie is essentially like, here's this high powered person who suddenly has a baby. And the second half of the movie is, what is she going to do with this money pit house in the country? And, <laughs> and like all Nancy Myers movies, Nancy Myers, by the way, she wrote this. She didn't direct it. In my opinion, the movie's a little bit overly long, a little bit, you know, it, it could have been a half hour shorter, I think. But yeah, so in the two halves of the movie, you you know, you could even split this up over two nights. Watch, you know, the city portion one night, the country portion the next night. Um, <laughs> but in the movie, you do get to see her going through those emotions. You get to see J.C. being angry, having meltdowns, feeling like she was treated unjustly, things falling apart. I mean, it's not just the case of being thrust into parenthood. It's also the boyfriend dumping her. It's the losing her job. It's the losing her identity. This is a huge part of her life is her job. And for a lot of people, that's the case. I know it was for me in the Great Recession, losing my job. That's a big part of my identity is working. And it hurt very badly. It felt like a death. It felt like a betrayal. It felt like a lot of things. And I love that in this movie, JC gets to feel all those things. But also, she gets to turn things around. And that's the thing that I know you were asking for, Cynthia, is, you know, a feel good story where things turn around. And I won't tell you exactly how she turns things around. It's a little bit, you know, fantastical, but she does. And I hope that you and your husband watch it, feel all the things you need to feel, and then hopefully cheer at the end and see a light at the end of the tunnel. All right. I think that's a, a very good prescription. Uh, and plus, I love Diane Keaton. So yes. you know, she, she can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. She's adorable in this, too. She's just a delight. But what about you, Rafer? What is the feel-good movie that you came up with? Well, um, this is my uh, second uh, marginal film that I'm going to recommend <laughs> uh, on this podcast. I chose a little movie from 2016 called Eddie the Eagle. Of course. Which, Kristen, have you seen it? We saw it together, Rafer. Don't you remember? I, I wondered. I wondered if we had seen it together. I can never remember the movies that we've seen separately and together. Well, let me let me describe this movie, which is based on a true story. Um, it's uh, Although it does have one rather large dollop of fiction in the middle of it, which I'll get to later, but it's based on, the, on a real life character named Michael Edwards. Um, he's uh, known as Eddie. Uh, he's played by Taron Edgerton, later of Rocketman fame. And this film was directed by Dexter Fletcher, who was the guy that was brought in to secretly shoot a lot of the scenes in Rocketman. There's a little backstory for you. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Anyway, back to the actual film. So Eddie's a, he's a kid from rural England. He wants to be an Olympic athlete. He tries various sports and he trains and trains. Um, but the drawback for him is that he's just not very good. And he's not very good at uh, pretty much anything. Uh, and then he discovers ski jumping, the, you know, the sport where you race down the big ramp. It's got the kind of scoop at the end and you go flying into the air. You know, pretty difficult thing to do. Lo and behold, Eddie tries ski jumping and he sucks at that as well. But the thing <laughs> is, the UK has not competed in ski jumping in something like six decades. And so as long as he can basically do kind of sort of okay, there's nobody who's going to edge him out and he can actually join the British team in the 1988 Olympics. Of course, all he needs is a coach and he finds your classic coach and a guy named Bronson Peary, played by Hugh Jackman, uh, doing a pretty decent American accent. Um, he's now an alcoholic, of course, uh, and he sees his own chance of redemption in Eddie. And here's a clip. So is this the bit where you say I told you so? 
No, this is where I say that without the booze, I wouldn't even have the guts to do that, John. As your coach, I think you're crazy. I don't know what I was thinking. But as your friend, I say you gotta do it. This is your moment. I need to practice jump. What do, you, what do you need to know you don't know already? It's higher than you jump before. You're gonna go faster than you've ever gone before. You're gonna fly farther than your tiny little brain can handle, but it's just a jump. Yeah, simple. Eddie, listen. You got more dedication, you got more heart and spirit than any of those other jumpers out there. Any of them. I mean, Jesus, I spent six months trying to get rid of you, dude. You're like gum on my shoe. You never gave up. I mean, you're gonna give up now? At the Olympics? This is your moment. You're ready the eagle, man. Okay, I know this is not necessarily the most critically acclaimed film of all time, Rafer. No. But I'll say it. I'm one of those people who is like, I'm going to stand up and cheer. I'm going to cry. I'm going to do it all. And I did it all. I clapped. I cried. I did it all with this movie. Totally. It's it's really, it's a lot of fun. Again, like the previous film, I I recommended (laughs) uh, not what you would call original. uh, A film you have already seen many, many Hundreds and hundreds oh, yeah. of times. You've seen cool right? runnings, right? You've exactly. seen so many versions of this. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. That's an excellent, excellent comparison. Right. And of course, I I think it's worth pointing out that the Bronson Peary character is complete fiction, made up, not real, um, which is kind of too bad because he's actually a really good character and Hugh Jackman kind of makes him believable. The film does get a little carried away when it brings in um, Christopher Walken as Bronson's <laughs> old coach, who's like the yeah. who's like the mean dad figure. And, then, and, you're, and you do kind of think like, okay, wait a minute, we're getting into like dodgeball Talladega Nights territory here. This is, <laughs> this is supposed to be an actual biopic. Anyway, like Kristen said, you know, it is kind of a stand up and cheer movie in its, in its modest, sweet little way. And I, I think what I liked about the film is that it's not, the thing about about Eddie Edwards, and this is just this is his real story. It's not that he turned out to be just a great athlete. It, he was really just crappy the whole way through. He just wasn't that good. But the thing is, he worked really hard, and God damn it, he made it to the Olympics. And it's this it's this lesson that I I always teach my kids that I think when you're especially when you're a kid you don't quite believe it and the the real problem is that i sort of don't always believe it myself when i say like you can do anything and i think kids feel like you can't do literally anything that's ridiculous there are some things you just kind of can't do and i kind of feel like yeah there are some things you kind of can't do but here's this guy who's a crap athlete who made it to the olympics and i just feel like there's your example you maybe you really can literally do anything uh so like I say, it's, you know, is it the greatest film in the world? No. Is it going to stick with you your whole life? No. But for you, <laughs> Cynthia, I think it I think it might fit the bill. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually really enjoyed this movie. So I'm glad you prescribed it, Rafer. I cannot believe, by the way, for two out of the three prescriptions so far, the movies you've prescribed are... <laughs> I, I, I'm just curious about what your third prescription is going to be. We'll, we'll find that out later. But again, let's just remind the listeners here from Rafer, Eddie the Eagle, and from me, Baby Bloom. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie recommendation? Write to us at raferandkristen at gmail.com. You don't have to use your real name. 
All right. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week, and we'll find out if Rafer prescribes another lowbrow move. Oh. Stay with us. We are back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Kristen, you take this one. All right. This letter is from Caitlin. Caitlin says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, the movies I usually enjoy are panned by critics as predictable. Lucky you, Rafer. I think we know where this is going. Oh, this is going great. (laughs) They're cheesy or saccharine. Although they'll never win any awards, these guilty pleasures allow me to escape from a complicated world that seems to be getting more negative by the minute. I feel that I've exhausted what's on the Hallmark Channel and have watched most of the teen romantic comedies on Netflix. What non-critically acclaimed but escapist fare should I watch next? <laughs> Rafer, based on based on your picks this week, this is your perfect letter. Just keep going. <laughs> Boy, where could I go? Where where can I go with this? How <laughs> how low can we go? All right, you ready, Kristen? I'm really I'm really gonna do this. I'm going to recommend a rom-com from 2010 called The Bounty Hunter. Oh, Rafer. You, hey, she asked for something non-critically acclaimed. That, this, this was not critically acclaimed, as you may recall. The opposite of critically acclaimed. (laughs) This was panned by critics. Oh, Rafer, explain yourself. Listen, I'm just going to say it. I didn't think the film was all that bad. (laughs) I kind of got a kick out of it. All right, here's what you got. If for some reason you've forgotten about this movie, it stars Gerard Butler as Milo Boyd. He's a former New York cop. Not a believable role, but he's a former New York cop. <laughs> now a bounty hunter. And he's your usual slob. You know, he's your guy's guy. He's got the trashy apartment, beer for breakfast, that kind of thing. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is his ex-wife, Nicole. She's an investigative reporter. Also, not a believable role for Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> uh, but she's now wanted for assaulting a police officer. And Milo, who, of course, hates her because she's his ex, he's thrilled to get the job of bringing her in, hauling her to the station, collecting some money. But the thing is, she turns out to be onto a big story. The kind of story that involves bookies and dirty cops and kidnappers. Here's a clip. Get in the car. I'm not going to jail. Oh, I beg to differ. Oh, what? No, you're going to shoot me? Nope. I'm going to shoot a cab driver. What? No, he's kid- He doesn't mean it. No, I mean it. All right. We got to talk about this. Fine. What do you want to say? I'm not letting you take me to jail. Duly noted. And I'm... No! Oh, Milo! Oh, my... You have got to be kidding me! You got to be kidding me! Don't you out! Milo, stop it! Seriously, put me down! Milo! Ah! You cannot be putting me in a trunk! You cannot be staring! Now, Rafer, I'm just going to say it. I've watched a lot of Hallmark-style, made-for-TV movie stuff. You know I love that schlock. You know I love a made-for-TV Christmas movie. I do. You know I love anything where people are drinking cocoa and wearing matching sweaters. Yes. Or falling in love at the high school reunion. I love all of that stuff. But the bounty hunter seems a little bit more... I don't know. What would I say? Like 
rough and tumble? Is that violent? He just he just threw her in a trunk rafer. Well, I don't know if this is Hallmark style fair. It, okay, it is not Hallmark style fair. It is an action comedy, uh, but it's an action comedy along, along the lines of you know Foul Play and Silver Streak. Uh, you know those kind of films. You just compared b- the Bounty Hunter to Silver Streak. <laughs> Listen, I will tell you, Silver Streak's one of my favorite movies. I watched it not too long ago. It doesn't really hold up that well. Um, yeah, I, it's... Mm, oh, no. We can talk about that at some other point. But it's... I mean, I still have a soft spot for it. All right. Well, listen, I'm just going to keep digging myself a hole. I actually kind of like Gerard Butler. There's just something... <laughs> there's something kind of ridiculous about him that I kind of love. And I, I, even, I even... Here I go. I kind of liked him in Playing for Keeps, the movie he did with Jessica Biel, the one where he's the former soccer star. I, and anyway, and here's what else I'll say. I love Jennifer Aniston, and I think they're both pretty good in this. Mostly, I would say it's their physicality because he's such a you know big, burly, stocky kind of rough dude, and she's got this kind of you know her willowy Jennifer Aniston thing going. But I think they're pretty good together. The movie is not great, but it is not terrible. And I didn't think it was as bad as the critics said. So there you go. I'm three for three with the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> here i've just got a whole list of mediocre films to recommend to people come to me and i'll recommend some crap i cannot believe it i mean i i feel like every episode of the show you always recommend at least one foreign film one 1930s <laughs> indie movie that was never distributed outside of czechoslovakia but i mean yeah you're doing right. it rafer you're you're going low oh okay look minder <laughs> what have you got that's so great what, what What's on your prescription, Pat? I'd like to know. I am recommending a Netflix series that just came out this year based on the best-selling series of books. It's called Sweet Magnolias. I bet you've never heard of this, Rafer. I didn't. Well, I've heard of the movie, of course, but I did not, to be honest, know that it was a series. Yes, it is a series. It centers on three best friends, Maddie, played by Joanna Garcia, Helen, played by Heather Headley, and Dana Sue, played by Brooke Elliott. They are three South Carolina women who love their margaritas, who have complicated lives. They've been best friends since childhood. You know, they're juggling the things that you would expect in a Hallmark-style movie, you know, their romantic lives, their professional lives, their family challenges. Uh, And some of these challenges are really tough. Maddie's husband has knocked up another woman, played by Britney Spears' kid sister, Jamie Lynn Spears. Helen is a high-powered attorney whose high school ex-boyfriend reappears just as she's trying to start a new business. Dana Sue is an esteemed chef with a short fuse, a rebellious daughter, and a potential romance that's brewing. Here's a clip. We have been talking about going into business together. Remember, the sweet magnolias. We three are going to turn that big old house into a glorious spot. <laughs> if I really am good at this, why am I not able to put a family together for myself? My food makes people happy. Gives them a reason to come together. Well, now that we've established that Bill is not what you want, can we move on to what you do? Namely, a tall, handsome... Coach? Ty. Hi. Wait, I just remembered. It's the movie is not Sweet Magnolias. The movie was Steel Magnolias. Oh, Rafer, this whole time you thought I was talking about Steel this Magnolias. This is just called this is just called Sweet Magnolias because it sounds like Steel Magnolias. <laughs> Good grief, Kristen. That's that's cheesy. Sweet Magnolias is very different from Steel Magnolias. This is how I describe it to people. 
it's like if designing women was on the Hallmark Holiday Channel instead, but instead of just being an 85-minute movie, it was actually a 10-part series with a diverse cast. So that's what Sweet Magnolias is. And I will say, you know, it's the South, there, and, and it's like small-town life, so there's definitely like the town gossip, there's some biting lines here and there that might make you laugh. But mostly the show is just sweet, soapy, occasionally kind of corny. Sometimes there's some romance, but the romance is super cheesy. Like, for example, there is like a hunky guy who tries to help out. Oh, no, my plumbing. Will you look under my sink? Oh, no, your shirt's all wet. You can take it off. Yeah. Hey, Gerard Butler takes his shirt off in The Bounty Hunter, too. Listen. (laughs) Don't get all superior with me, Kristen. (laughs) I... I'm starting to think neither of us have any taste left. What's wrong with us? And that was the last time they ever hosted an issue of movie therapy. Listen to these movies we prescribed. They lost every listener. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I think we've both I think we have both fit the bill. These were non-critically acclaimed entertainment content. No, no, no. No one is gonna give awards to these movies. <laughs> they they have not, and they're not going to. <laughs> All right. So our two stellar recommendations are from Kristen, Sweet Magnolias, and from me, The Bounty Hunter. Yes. And on that note, Rafer, it's time to call it quits on this mediocre episode of Movie Therapy. Oh, it's more than time. It's more than time, Kristen. Uh, Listeners, if you're still there, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations, we are at raferandkristen at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter, if you like, at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And again, our website is raferandkristen.com. Please do rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And please tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. But don't tell them about this. Episode. Don't tell them. God, don't tell them about this. Yeah, one. don't tell them about this episode. Yeah, they're going to think that we don't know what we're doing. Don't do that. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.